What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast. Every day on the Cub Cooker Supernatural Podcast, we discuss faith, spirituality, and the realms of paranormal. Today is no different. Boy, do I have a fantastic episode for you today. Uh, probably should have saved this one for episode 360. Uh, it's actually episode 359 today, the sequel to the Book of Enoch. To Enoch, the secrets of Enoch. So this is actually second Enoch. Uh, this is a very, very little known book. 404 on the clock, by the way. I love the numbers and the serendipity today. What's up, Marvin Manuel? How are you? Joe, thanks for joining. David Lamb, thanks for being here. Sparky Bunny, thank you for joining. Jess Crest and Jim, thanks for being here. Appreciate you guys as you guys drop by. Uh, stick around for a little while. At least give the channel a follow, especially if you're into alternative texts like the Book of Enoch. This second Enoch study that we are starting today, December 12th, 2023. Uh, I have not gotten into the second Book of Enoch whatsoever. We haven't even finished the first study on the regular original Book of Enoch. And, um, a lot of people call this the sequel to the book of Enoch. And I think that's a great way to put it because it's almost like, uh, you know, if you have a live action movie come out from a video game or a cartoon, that's kind of like what this is. It's a better story. It's a little more concise. Um, it's less all over the place with just a bunch of fragments. It's basically they took the mythos and the lore and the legend um, of the prior uh book of enoch and simplified it and made it into a really beautiful story um and so i really like it um now when i say simplified it is anything but easy to read and understand and i don't pretend or propose to understand everything that's why we do studies on here if i'm into something i don't spend years studying it and go okay now i'm an expert now i can teach through it no, no, no. I learn as I go. I learn as we read live on the show here. I learn as we dig into the text. Um, and I'm very, very excited to do that today. So the sequel to the Book of Enoch or Second Enoch, The Secrets of Enoch, um, also called the Slavic Book of Enoch or the Slavonic. Uh, Slavonic being more of an archaic term for Slavic. So I learned a lot today. I did research for hours and hours and hours all morning preparing for this. Um, and there's still so much I don't know. There's still so much on the table. Um, so what's up, uh, Adamo? How are you, my friend? Uh, sup, brother? Three Enoch is my favorite Metatron, Metatron evolution, baby. Yeah, we have not even gotten to three Enoch yet. We're in two Enoch right now. So we're going to study this for a while. This also has, I'll probably do this tomorrow, the origins of Malchizedek. You've probably heard of this fanciful, um, even mythical character, Malchizedek, right? Um, this is a fantastic introduction to who he may have been, right? Or what the, the legend was about him. Um, and so this is really, really a cool text. Um, in the Cosmic Tapestry of Ancient Mysticism, the second book of Enoch, also known as the Book of Secrets of Enoch, or to Enoch, stands as a hidden gem that most people have never heard of. 
While not included within the mainstream biblical canon, its pages whisper tales on celestial journeys, angelic realms, and the mysteries of creation. And I think that's a great way to put it because this gets so deep and it's very, very beautiful. You guys share this stream, by the way. Uh, get TikTok back on my side here. I don't know what's going on. They want me to share photos and stuff now. I don't think you guys are even on TikTok for photos. I don't understand all of these algorithmic changes. Uh, we got other platforms doing the same thing. Um, so I don't know. I like video, guys. I distribute video. I'm a video creator. Um, I don't mind sharing photos and blog articles and stuff, but I'm really more of a uh, a content creator with the videos. So you guys support the videos that I do. Share them with your friends and family because my push and reach has been diminished. A lot of creators have seen this like in the last several weeks, especially with the holidays looming. Uh, you got a lot of advertisers out there right now that are taking precedence. So uh, we really appreciate the support around the holidays here. So thank you guys. What's up, Chatterbox? Davey, how are you doing? Geo, thanks for being here. Gina, thanks for joining. Uh, a lot of G's today, a lot of G's. So um, yeah, Enoch is what I really started this channel on. And I'm just really honored and excited to get into Second Enoch. What is up, Teresa? How are you doing, my friend? Um, yeah, I don't know why it takes so long to get the stream going these days, but I appreciate you guys. Uh, I got five minutes of rambling before anybody even joined on Facebook. I don't understand that, why it takes so long to get it out. Come on, algorithm, let's go. I got people that are complaining because they don't see my stuff anymore. So I know uh, we still got a great audience out there. It's just you guys are ultimately not going to be seeing my stuff unless um, you know you you make a point to come to my channel, um, especially every time the algorithm shifts. So uh, I wanted to share that up front. Really, really make an effort to share everything. So the story of Enoch and how the Lord took him to heaven. So we're going to start reading in second enoch i have never read this on this channel like i said it's a much better story and mythology it's a lot tighter and more concise um as we've gone through book of enoch which i love enoch one there's a ton of stuff in enoch one culminating with the book of noah and the fragment of book of noah uh with how noah was born basically what they assumed was a son of god or an angel or an elohim or some sort of you know, uh, non-human entity, right? Well, the same thing is how this ends with second Enoch. And I'm going to get into that tomorrow with Melchizedek, whose mother actually was unalived. And then he was still uh, able to be born. Again, very mythological here. This, this borderlines on Greek mythology here. He was able to be born, crawled out of the womb, sat on the bed next to her, cleaned himself up, and then his father walked in to find him, uh, and it was actually an angel that had impregnated her. Um, and so very, very, very fanciful there, right? Ancient astronaut theorists have a field day with that one. So do I, by the way. Um, but for the purpose of this study, we're going to try to stay with some pretty esoteric representations of it, though I will pepper in the ancient astronaut theory as we go along, because I think we ought to have a balanced view of everything here. I'm not here to give you, oh, this is, this is definitely what it is, you know, here to give you, ah, oh, this is, this is some options here, some very interesting options here. So, all right. The story of Enoch and how the Lord took him to heaven. There was a wise man and a great artisan 
whom the Lord took away. And already there we have the word artisan uh, describing Enoch here. Um, we hear him as a scribe, but now we're hearing him as an artisan. And as we go back, you guys remember my Anunnaki studies we've done. You go back to the ancient Anunnaki text uh, out of Sumerian and Babylonian and Akkadian uh, mythology. And this character, Enoch, which is Enumera Dunke, um, he actually was taken up into the heavens. He was given secrets and he was a great craftsman and uh, he would make all of these things, tools and stuff like that for humanity that he learned from the gods, basically. So, you know, again, nothing new under the sun. All of these things tie together. They're super fun to explore. Uh, let's not take them too serious. This is not a religious channel, so I'm not here to debate salvation or anything like that with anyone. Um, if it's up to me, I think that gnosis or knowledge, direct God contact is the number one thing that any of us should hope to achieve, right? And uh, rather than looking to someone outside of ourselves uh, and hoping that that um, is you know, somehow a stamp of approval, I prefer to approach God directly and uh, be seen as someone who loves God uh, or the quantum intelligence or the universe, the universal consciousness, the higher self. I think if you can love yourself, uh, you begin to love God. Like that's actually how I personally approach it. So those are, that's essentially in a nutshell, my faith point of view. Um, and if you don't agree with that, I totally get it. That's fine. I have no issue with that. Uh, still stick around because we can always learn stuff from each other. So Dell, thank you for being here. Uh, Ophir, thanks for joining. Continuing in to Enoch 1a, and he loved him so that he might see the highest realms and the most wise and the great and inconceivable and unchanging kingdom of God almighty and the most marvelous and glorious and shining and many eyed station of the Lord's servants and of the Lord's immovable throne. If all of this is literal, clearly he had to go up to some sort of spaceship, right? If it's not literal, then guys, this is just a beautiful esoteric representation of what it means to open the third eye, move into the crown chakra, ascend into the seventh heaven of consciousness as you align all of your chakric systems, they come online, you burn karma, and you are seen as righteous and loving the Lord, if you will. That's how I personally see it. I think that's a beautiful way uh, to kind of decode this. So um, many-eyed, you know, um, we hear about that in Hindu mythology about uh, the Brahman or Lord Krishna in his glorified state having uh, many, many eyes and tongues of fire um and having millions of arms not just four not like the you know the statues you see but like millions uh and it's so cool guys i don't like please quit trying to go live like you don't even know what i'm talking about today and you're trying to jump on my live i don't go live with people if you don't know me um approach me request to join a live or do a collaboration okay i'm not gonna throw you Thank you. Sorry, Queen Nova. You too. Um, like, listen to what I'm saying. Don't just request to go live with someone over and over and over and over. Um, I appreciate it. It's very flattering. But I mean, come on, we don't even know each other. Why am I going to let you on my live? That's uh, 
that's just um uh, a little bit careless right like we never know like let, let's get to know each other i got a lot of friends on here that want to go live with me and so they're going to get uh precedence first if you want to do that let's get to know each other be friends support each other make sure we vibe with each other and then we'll go live and bring some valuable content to the platforms uh i think that's a great way to do it so so what is book of enoch bawa how are you doing my friend thank you for being here uh antonio says sups up what is up antonio how are you doing david says i believe back then the other planets uh had life as well in some way uh, the gaseous planets burn out, uh, many suns, my understanding. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good way to look at it. Right. I mean, uh, we, we debate that all the time. Like what were these planets even for? What were they in the past? Are they going to be formed into something later on through evolution? Uh, if you look at our known solar system, right, it doesn't make any sense. Why do we have all these planets floating around that seemingly there's one for life and this little miracle planet that we're on uh, this tiny blue dot, and then you have all these others that are massive. What the heck are they even for, right? It makes no sense. What's up, Hex? Ken, how are you doing? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, love the theories. That's always uh, fun to explore. So, uh, Bajay says, love this kind of stream. Keep it up. Thank you so much, my friend. Michael Mount says, hi, how are you doing, my friend? Moving on, it says, and the ranks and organization of the bodies of armies and of the indescribable co uh, composition of the multitude of elements, singing of the army of cherubim and the light without measure to be an eyewitness. And then one concerning Enoch's dreams. So that's kind of like a preface to actually getting into uh, the first chapter here. So, at that time, he said, when 165 years were complete for me, I fathered my son, Methuselah. And after that, I lived 200 years. I completed all the years of my life, 365 years. And guys, I said in a little short TikTok a, a long time ago, uh, I think there's something to that. 365 years. Uh, we've got 300 um in 65 days in a year and i think that that is relevant in some form or fashion so i can't tell you what the relevance is but that just seems like too much of a coincidence in the first month of the assigned day of the first month i was in my house alone and i lay on my bed sleeping and while i slept a great distress entered my heart and i was weeping with my eyes in a dream and i could not figure out what this distress might be, nor what might be happening to me. Then two huge men appeared to me, like that which I had never seen on earth. Their faces were like the shining sun, their eyes were like burning lamps, and from their mouths fire came forth. Their clothing was uh, various singing, their wings were more glistening than gold, their hands were whiter than snow. And this is a little poetic excerpt here, uh, most likely hearkening back to another poem that had been running around at the time. We can speculate on that all day long. Uh, but a lot of these texts, you know, really harken back to other mythological texts, right? Violet, thank you for the follow. Choir Angel, thank you for being here. Kirk, thanks for joining. Uh, Motoya of Lagos, thank you for being here. Gamer Media, thanks for joining uh the shining ones exactly mikhail mount uh the shining ones great great connection there uh because that's literally what we're looking at here and we see these in all of these different 
uh, mystical texts, especially from the East and Middle East. Um, and of course, uh, Book of Enoch and Second Enoch being largely a Jewish mystical text. Uh, however, uh, it was also recognized quite a bit within early Christian beliefs. Um, as far as there has been someone, uh, I think it was, can't remember when it was. It's like in the 90s, I think, uh, maybe the 80s or 90s. There was one Christian leader that proposed that literally this book was written by Jesus himself. Uh, which I think is a huge speculation, of course, but uh, he adamantly proposed that, you know, Jesus himself wrote this because of the time of dating. Um, very, very interesting. So just to get into the history of this before I continue, because it starts to get weird and wild and wonderful, and I want to shift gears into that. But now that we've got some more people on, I want to lay a little bit of framework for what this is, especially this being the first part of this series what is second enoch the secrets of enoch or as i'm calling it the sequel to the book of enoch so it is a pseudopigraphal work meaning enoch clearly did not write this there is no way no how that he wrote this this was written somewhere dating between the third century bce and the first century ce now i put a star there the date of writing is commonly debated and i put that there because i was frustrated to all end today to try to find a definitive answer on when this thing was written. Everybody always likes to argue with me uh, on the regular Enoch videos from just the book of Enoch. Um, and this one, you know, is going to bring up some debate, I'm sure, because yes, it's pseudepigraphal. No, it's not canonical. No, this is not included in the Ethiopian church's Bible. Again, this is a standalone revised work, if you will. Um, it's almost like a, uh, a live action movie um, from a beloved classic, if you will, uh, like a re-envisioned version. <clears throat> so that third century BCE to the first century CE, that date range is why many people, uh, one in particular thought, well, maybe Jesus himself wrote this because it really contained the mysteries, like the cosmic mysteries of the heavens, right? Um, and there's this whole theory that Jesus is Melchizedek, all of this stuff. This details Melchizedek's birth, you know, a literal virgin birth, right? Um, I mean, it's just very, very interesting here um, what the parallels are. So, you know, you be the judge of it, um, whether it's this or the Bible or anything else, anybody, it's anybody's guess, right? Scholars know one thing and then another scholar comes in and proves them wrong with a better paper and more data. Uh, and then somebody comes and proves them wrong and so on and so forth. And it's just, we evolve our understanding. And at a certain point, we get enough data to go, well, here's the range. And uh, 3rd century BCE, which is before the Common Era, to the 1st century CE, which is the Common Era. In the middle there, you would have the life of Christ. Um, and so, you know, again, could this be something that was running around uh, when he was alive? Well, not until 2009 would I say that that might have been a possibility. Because in 2009, Joost Hagen uh, came across fragments of Second Enoch in Coptic manuscripts in Kassar Abram, Egypt, that he was studying, from Kassar Abram, Egypt, that he was studying. So now this story is very hard to find. I had to go to literal academia 
uh, like .org scholarly papers to find info on this. There's no news stories about this or anything that I could find. One version said 2006, another said 2009. One YouTuber said it was him that was actually at the dig, but the scholarly paper said he was actually in a laboratory studying this in 2009 and that the fragments were found like in the 70s, uh, the 1970s. So hopefully, you know, I put a star next to that. Uh, do your own research on it. Good luck, because I couldn't find hardly anything uh, other than a few little um, excerpts from scholarly papers on this. So, but I think that, you know, knowing that that is in Coptic, Coptic was like an early um, language being used uh, by Christianized societies, um, the way I understand it. So very, very interesting that, um, you know, originally the manuscripts that were found of this were, were in old Slavonic, uh, which is called a, a church language, basically. The Orthodox uh, Germanic churches would have had this old Slavonic language that they were, I learned a lot today, by the way, sorry if I'm spitting too much info out, but um, they would have had this, this language that was, you know, for their sacred texts, basically. Um, and so there's varied manuscripts and translations uh, to spice this up. Uh, there's multiple versions of this running around out there. So um, unraveling the secrets of this demands a keen eye for textual nuances. So, why we haven't got into second Enoch because you kind of need to know one Enoch to get into two Enoch to get into three Enoch and we're going to get into three Enoch later on with Metatron no he's not a transformer he's a transfigured angel Enoch becoming Metatron and so we'll talk more about that as these traditions evolve this is what you see you have like you know some of the base text the origin of it uh, which is the beloved classic of Enochian literature. Um, and then you get things like Enochian magic, you get second Enoch, you get third Enoch, all of these different things that essentially become, you know, more layers on the cake that is Enochian literature, which really adds a whole different flavor to what the biblical canon may, in fact, be trying to say, because you have all of these origin stories of the beginning of humanity uh, that has less to do with like what you hear about Adam and Eve and more to do with like these early um, revelations of what our reality actually is through very specific people that God or a certain Lord chose. So uh, Daniel says, when my grandmother lay on her deathbed, she said, who are all those shiny headed people? Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Uh, and we hear this over and over with NDEs, with psychedelic experiences, medicine journeys, shamanic experiences. You know, there's these beings of light, the shining ones. You know, who are they uh, in this white room, you know, looming over me? Um, and and it seems that clearly Enoch had some experience with them here. Um, while not a household name, the second book of Enoch left its mark. Uh, early Christian thinkers nodded to its influence, and some have even proposed Jesus himself wrote it. I just shared that earlier, though it seems wildly theoretical to me. Some Gnostic traditions even incorporated its cosmic codes into their own mythos. You're going to see a lot more as we get into second Enoch, 
a lot more of the Gnostic uh, viewpoint, like, you know, within that you'll go, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I'm seeing it. And this is a lot easier to take esoterically than say first Enoch is or Enoch one or one Enoch or the book of Enoch, which is what most of us are used to, by the way, whenever someone says, Oh, in the book of Enoch, it says this, they're most likely talking about one Enoch. If they're talking about second Enoch, they should be stating from the second book of Enoch or the secrets of Enoch. Um, of course, this is full of mysteries, full of esoteric wisdom and what I would call a cult literature. Okay. Um, so to unlock this, I think we have to take an occult point of view with it. That does not mean it's evil before you click off this video and go, oh my gosh, this guy's getting into dark stuff. Occult does not mean dark. It just means hidden. It means it's encoded, right? Um, and so that's what the idea of occult literature means for us um, is to understand that it's an encoded work. It's got secrets within it that are not for the common everyday Joe to just, uh, you know, read it and go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. I get it. Now I can activate on this, right? Uh, this requires someone who says, hey, I'm willing to be initiated into this understanding uh, by sacrificing all of my prior fleshly desires to a be comfortable to b uh pretend like i know it all and to c subscribe to any other uh like particular point of view or belief system beyond what i'm actually experiencing and ultimately that's where occult knowledge begins to come in or esoteric knowledge it's personal to the viewer it's personal to uh, the initiate going through it, right? Um, are there some prescribed systems out there that are considered occult and esoteric? Absolutely, absolutely. Everyone who's ever written any great literature or put together any occult or esoteric system of spiritual practice has prescribed their version um, of what they experience in the hopes that others would you know, be inspired by it, be able to practice it or repeat the results, right? Um, Antonius's angels don't have wings. Exactly, exactly. We talked about this a long time ago. Uh, well, not a long time ago, about three months ago, we did the Anunnaki series. Um, and I talked a lot about, you know, that these come, our view of angels often comes from Samaria where the gods were depicted uh, with wings, these Babylonian, Sumerian, and Akkadian gods, depicting the power of flight, right? The, the ability to transcend up into the higher heavens, okay? Um, and remember, people used to think that the earth was um, this system of, you know, first heaven, second, you had the underworld, you had the material earth, then you had the sky or the oreos, then you had the heavens, then you had the upper heavens, all the way up to the seventh heaven. And so uh, they didn't understand what we understand today, where you had all of these extra planets and a solar system and all of these different things. So, um, and then you're actually going to see some of that coming up in second Enoch, where there is more of an understanding and more of an inclusion of things like the Zodiac and the planetary systems um, as people evolved and started understanding other things, right? So, uh, nothing hidden to any of those of us who are not in a hurry, always faithful. Amen. The light angel gene. Absolutely. My friend. Thank you, Pierre. Thank you for being here. Nancy. Thanks for joining Tony. Thanks for being here. 
Honeybee, what is up? I hope you're having a beautiful day, Honeybee. Thank you for being here. Um, so Lucky Sarah Waters says, I remember everything because uh, I was the first. I am the beginning and now the end. Nobody but uh, me can be me. They keep trying, but they can't. Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. And I'm glad you recognize that. Recognize. Um, I love it. I love it. Bradley says, uh, is this Enoch, son of Cain, or Enoch, grandfather of Noah? Uh, so this is Enoch, grandfather of Noah that we're talking about. Uh, just a book put together since the names are the same. So uh, again, this is the sequel, just like you would have a beloved classic cartoon, um, say from the 90s, and now you will have a, a live action version of that. It's updated. The story is more concise. The devices in the story are maybe more culturally appropriate to that day and age. It's an updated version. So it's taking the same tradition and the same belief systems from the first book of Enoch into the second book of Enoch and basically updating it for a new age at that point, if you will. So uh, lots and lots of theories on where this one came from. This is not the traditional book of Enoch that you're used to hearing. But you're going to see a lot of similarities in it, by the way. Truth Train coming by hard and fast right now. That thing runs by all the time. Every time I hit live, I didn't hear it for hours, I swear. And then now I go live. It must be the time of day. Here we are in Second Enoch. And they stood at the head of my bed and called me by name. Then I awoke from my sleep and saw those men standing in front of me in actuality. Then I, borrow, uh, then I bowed down before them, and I was terrified, and the appearance of my face was changed because of fear. Then those men said to me, Be brave, Enoch. In truth, do not fear. The eternal God has sent us to you. And behold, you will ascend with us into heaven today and tell your sons and all the members of your household everything that they must do in your house while they are without you on earth. So what is happening here? This is the angels, the watchers. We're going to hear them called something a little bit different in this version of Enoch. But the watcher angels saying, Enoch, we're about to take you, man. We're about to take you up. We're about to leave this earth, this world behind and you're going to give a message to your sons and all the members of your household and let them know what they are to do without you on the earth. Then it goes on and says, and let no one search for you until the Lord returns you to them. And so basically he's told to go, hey, go tell your friends and family, by the way. Hey, don't look for me. I'm going on a God vacation. By the way, go try telling your family that. Hey, God's going to take me up for a while. Don't look for me, okay? Don't don't report me as a missing person. Don't do anything. When the Lord decides to bring me back, I'll be back, okay? Good luck telling that to anybody. Can you imagine how his family would have reacted first off? Um, hey, don't look for me, guys. Don't look for me. Then it says, and I hurried and obeyed them, and I went out of my house, and I shut the doors as I had been ordered, and I called my sons, Methuselah and Rajim and Gadidad, and I declared to them all of the marvels that those men had told me. He's also calling them men here, not angels. So uh, now here we are in chapter two, the introduction or the instruction. 
how Enoch instructs his sons. He says, listen, my children, I do not know where I am going, nor what will confront me. Now, my children, I say to you, do not turn away from God, walk before his face and keep his commandments. Do not abhor the prayers of your salvation so that the Lord will not curtail the work of your hands. So basically he's saying, don't forsake the Lord here. Keep doing as he says, I'm going to be okay. The Lord has taken me. Uh, And if you do forsake any of this, then the Lord might actually curtail the work of your hands and limit your blessings. You know, this is a very, very common practice of antiquity to believe that, you know, if you didn't say your prayers, you didn't do things right, you were going to receive divine judgment or punishment, or you weren't going to have rain fall on the crops, all your work would be in vain, etc. So uh, this goes back thousands, thousands, thousands of years, of course. And do not be ungenerous with the Lord's gifts, and the Lord will not be ungenerous with his donations and love gifts in your storehouses. So Again, this was a literal belief. If you can turn this into an esoteric belief, then it holds a whole lot of power. And I'm going to show the whole class, including myself. I'm always the kid in the back of the class, by the way. Uh, I'm going to show the whole class today exactly how we can do that. It's going to be a great, great exercise in how we can put all this together. So stick around to the end and I'll make all these connections. And bless the Lord with the firstborn of your herds and the firstborn of your children, and the blessing will be on you forever. And do not turn away from the Lord, and do not worship vain gods, gods who did not create the heaven and the earth, or any other created thing, for they will perish, and so will those who worship them. And may God make your hearts true in reverence for him, And now, my children, no one must search for me until the Lord returns me to you. And I can see him taking a final bow before he pieces out with God, right? Uh, Awanis is a man, absolutely. So CM Wolf says rocket ship. Yeah, again, if it's literal, this dude's getting in a spaceship, isn't he? He's getting in a rocket. He's about to go up to space space station G-O-D to meet with the Lord. Um, and get outside of the Earth's atmosphere and have all kinds of wild psychedelic visions. And he's tripping out, freaking out, seeing God, seeing angels, seeing lit up beans and crystal walls and all kinds of stuff, and millions of eyes on these ships, all kinds of stuff he couldn't describe, which today we might just describe as Disneyland or LED technology, right? That's your ancient astronaut theory interpretation for the moment. Now, to get into the esoteric version of this, we got to dig a little bit deeper and we got to be willing to suspend our disbelief and our attachment to this needing to happen literally in any form or fashion and understand this purely as a mythological esoteric ascension protocol document. And we're going to look at that here in a little bit. How you take it is totally up to you. By the way, I think you can take it as both very easily. Um... And we're going to be doing a whole series on that. How do you blend these points of view together? The literal him being taken up on a spaceship or a rocket ship of the gods, according to Zachariah Sitchin's works, but also the esoteric symbolic of this, the magic practices within this of accessing a quantum God, an infinite intelligence and creating with that ability. Uh, Somebody mentioned to me today that 
they were like, well, it's not me, it's God. And I'm like, no, 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 it is you. It is your talent and your gift. It is a God-given gift. I wrote a book called God-Given Gifts of Brilliance. Um, if you don't have that book, you need to get that book. By the way, you can't get that book now. The only way to get that book is to join my community. You can actually get the entire course on that book over in my Mythos Academy it's only 28 bucks a month right now. That is half price. I can't guarantee that price will be here forever. But if you guys want to save hugely on my academy, there's over 500 video lessons in there. You're also going to get access to our community, our Zoom meetups every single weekend, plus bonus videos over in the community in my private section. Tons and tons of resources for you guys, all off of social media, no distractions. You don't have to worry about mom, dad, pastor, friends, family, anything, anybody seeing, you know, unless you share it with someone or someone else shares it with someone, but it's all private within the community. You do have to be a supporting member to be a part of that. And you can join in at two different membership tiers. The top tier right now is our Mythos Academy membership at 28 bucks a month over at C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com. Uh, and you can save even more if you buy a year up front. I'll give you two months for free. Um, and then you can also join the lower tier, which a lot of people love. If you just want to dip your toe in it, support what I'm doing here, get to know me and the community better. You can join the community, the meetups and the bonus section for only seven bucks a month. Guys, nobody else is doing it for that. Nobody has what I'm offering for this affordably um, and has just a beautiful, open minded community like we do, guys. Again, we're not religious here. I'm not trying to build any kind of belief system or tell you what to think. Uh, I'm merely connecting people together, connecting uh, myself into the community and exploring these things together. That's why we call it mythos. We're all seeking our own set of agreements and our own stories and our own timelines collectively. And I think it's beautiful. So we'd love to have you. A lot of new members this week. Thank you guys already. Um, and I am shutting membership down towards the end of the year. We are getting close, guys. If you want in, get in now before I lock it down. Uh, because when it comes back after the beginning of the year, I don't know exactly when, but it is going to be more expensive. Uh, just obvious economic reasons. So whatever you sign up at, as long as you don't cancel, uh, you will stay locked in at that. So appreciate you guys letting me do a little bit of a infomercial here. I appreciate that. That's how I can continue doing these every day. I really appreciate you guys. Uh, I'll leave that up on the screen for a little bit. All you have to do is scan the QR code or visit C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com, cubcooker.com, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com, link in description, bio, wherever you're watching or listening, you can look in the description or the profile about section for my website. So as we continue, we get into chapter three on this. I'm going to go ahead and read chapter three because it's super short, but it's going to set us up for the next part of this. Um, because this is where it gets super weird and I love it here. So true love th flowing through your veins. Pood says, absolutely. My friend Dana says the amount of time he would experience being gone. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, we don't know. Enoch's family members would have, uh, aged in the time he spent traveling as he references traveling at the speed of light. Uh, so he had to tell them a period of time would pass to them. Uh, that was not equal. Great great catch dana again if this is literal and he's traveling at the speed of light you're absolutely right according to uh different principles you know theoretically he would uh have 
uh, been suspended in time and space, right? And people would have aged here. If you go watch um, uh, Interstellar, it's a great, uh, they're on this one planet that's a water planet. And uh, there's a tick in the background that happens every one and a half seconds. And that represents like an entire day going by on Earth. So like, uh, as long as they're there, it's like they're there for hours. And it's like, um, it's years on Earth for them just stopping by on this little planet just because of uh, the way time moves there. It's it's the weirdest. It gets into some really deep theoretical physics. And I don't understand it all, but it's wild. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Lucky Sarah Waters says a heartbeat. And that's why I think all of this, all of this, guys, can be tied to meditation. And that's where, you know, the esoteric representation of all of this gets super, super deep because you've got the heartbeat. What happens when you meditate? You slow your systems. You regulate everything. Time moves differently for you, or you at least experience it differently, right? You can go into a trance state where you were completely transcendent of the physical reality. And you're, you're not sure when you're in, when you're out, um, you know, other people are going about their day. Where did cub go? Oh, he was meditating today. What's up, Molly. How are you doing? My friend? So, um, I think this version of Enoch is going to get us so much closer to ourselves, so much closer to God or the quantum source intelligence of the universe, whatever you want to call him. Um, I've got to go do yoga today. I've got so much tension in my neck, guys. Oh, I don't know what is wrong. Um, it's literally that time of year with Christmas and all the holidays and family. And so I'm getting back into yoga and meditation right now because Lord knows I need it. We all do. And this is a great example of this text. You apply it to the yogic philosophy and it's going to reveal some really cool things. So as soon as time no longer matters, we can let go and trust. Oh man, I love that. Uh, the light angel says, and what's cool, and maybe you've already read the text because that actually, this text talks about when time ends. It's very weird that you mentioned that. That is crazy. I love it. I love it. Uh, Sarah says it's God's heartbeat. That is why it's the keeper of time because eventually the heart stops beating. Amen, my friend. Amen. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Um, let's see. So parallel with uh, dying and Navajo way of life, amazingly similar. That is awesome. That is awesome. I don't know a lot about that. I'm in um, uh, I'm in West Texas, and so um, Navajo. I don't think we had Navajo here. I think you've got to go up into New Mexico. So that's the exposure I've had to Navajo culture. But I would love to learn a whole lot more. And now we do have uh, a couple of tribe, actual tribal members in our community here. So, um, but that is awesome. Awesome to learn. Thank you so much, my friend. Again, it all ties together, guys. It all ties together. So now chapter three and second Enoch, the secrets of Enoch. Again, second Enoch, if you're just now joining, is not book of Enoch. This is a completely separate text here from book of Enoch. Again, it's like the sequel to Enoch, the updated, the better version, if you will, or what they thought was a better version. So um, about the taking away of Enoch and how the angels took him on the first heaven. Okay, so this is the first heaven. 
And it came about when I had spoken to my sons, those men called me and they took me up on their wings and carried me up to the first heaven and placed me on the clouds. And behold, they were moving. And there I perceived the air higher up and higher still I saw the ether. And they placed me on the first heaven and they showed me a vast ocean much bigger than the earthly ocean. Now, a couple of things we have to understand here. If this is literal, taking up on their wings could mean in a craft, a spaceship, an aeroplane, getting to uh, a higher airship before they left the atmosphere. He talks about breathing a different air here. He perceived the air higher up. Um, and then he saw the ether. They placed me on the first heaven. So he's placed on something, he says in the clouds here. Again, this can be completely esoteric, moving up your chakras here, moving into the first heaven. Um, and then he sees this, that it's bigger than the earthly ocean, so a vast ocean. He wouldn't have known what the, the, the earthly oceans were, uh, he could have been seeing the entire vastness of the ocean when he was only used to seeing certain Mediterranean seas, right? Um, smaller ocean. Um, I don't know what you would call them. Gatherings, encapsulations. Um, he wasn't able to see until he got up high enough to see, like, you know, see everything, right? And he'd be like, oh my gosh. Didn't know the ocean was that big. Didn't know there were more oceans that are that big, right? Um, again, that's literally. It's very hard for me to get away from the literal interpretation of this because I read this and I go, dude was totally abducted by aliens. Like, that's just how I personally view it. Truth train for confirmation here. Again, for the third time this stream, the first heaven is the place, uh, uh, is the first part of the atmosphere. Yeah, so, I mean, this would be, like going up on an aeroplane um that you are you're higher up right and he wouldn't have been able to get higher up uh, on his lonesome without one of the gods one of the angels one of these men from above these anunnaki if you will taking him up again that's the ancient astronaut theory of it that this is all technology showing him this the esoteric representation of this is moving into the first place of enlightenment here. You're able to perceive more and you realize that there's a whole lot more ocean out there, a whole lot more water, a whole lot more spiritual depth than you thought. Uh, does that sound cheesy? Yeah, it does a little bit, right? But a lot of times the esoteric interpretations are just that. They are the, a little bit cheesy. They're a little bit uh, self-serving, if you will. Um and that's why not a lot of people like to talk about them because sometimes it just sounds a bit goofy. Uh, but when you practice it, because there's a lot of people that practice or at least did practice Enochian magic and things like this, um, then clearly there's some benefit or people never would have done it, right? Uh, version 2.0, exactly, exactly. Uh, chapter four, and the angels who govern the stars, they led me before my face the elders the rulers of the stellar orders and i love the language in this because we're already getting way more sci-fi even though this is written like i said either 
you know, a hundred years before Christ or a couple hundred years after Christ. We don't know exactly when it was written, but uh, you've already got language in here like stellar orders. Um, they showed me the 200 angels who govern the stars and the heavenly combinations, and they fly with their wings and do the rounds of the planets, uh, of all the planets. So again, boom, right here, you literally have uh, this kind of extraterrestrial thing going on. There's a really interesting video. I don't know why I need to turn off. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Matt says train, LOL. Uh, that video wouldn't play for me the other day. Ugh, of course it wouldn't. Of course it wouldn't, right? Because why share information online when it's easy to just make the video not play? You guys see, that's why I have a private community because I share stuff over there that I know I'm not going to share online because uh, it's too opinionated or uh, it's just more about my life or it's more directed at the community and people would just get bored uh, publicly, right? And it's more relevant to our actual members. So it's a good point right there. Why do I have a private community? Because ultimately it's the best way I can serve you guys long term because I can't guarantee you'll ever see my face again on the interwebs because of these algorithms. So you may be seeing cooking videos for the next six months and forget about this. So uh, Andreas says, what is your community? It is called the mythos community. There's two different tiers, whichever one works better for you. You can go check it out. Starting at only seven bucks a month, half price right now. Cancel anytime you locked in at that price. I don't go up on prices for you. Um, I may go up in the future, but I'm not going to change it for current members. So as long as you're a current member, I don't go up on prices on you. So go check it out. It's fantastic. We've got a lot of awesome, awesome people over there. I'm still considering it grassroots. We're on our way to 300 members. Hopefully we'll be there by my birthday in March. That's my goal. That's not my manifesting and it is going in that direction. Thank you guys so much. I'm so grateful. Uh, so go check that out. You can click the link in my bio or the about section. It's also in the description down below, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R.com, or you can scan the QR code there. We'd love to have you, my friend. Go check it out. You can cancel anytime if it's not for you. No worries at all. So uh, thank you for doing what you do, Sonia says. Thank you so much, Sonia. I appreciate you. Uh, well, you know that there are angels that literally have wings. There are angels that have three sets of wings, Shane says. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so again, are there? Are there, are there angels that have wings or are there crafts that have wings that they assumed were angelic beings? Okay. We've got to understand in archaic times, uh, if they saw a helicopter, they would think that was a God. They were the war gods that would come with the, you know, the sounds of many waters and the, the beating of their wings was like thunder. You know, they would not have understood uh, if a time portal opened up and someone stepped through from the future and decided I'm going to rule over this reality for all time because I can time travel or I can warp through realities here or I can uh, travel through the quantum and go down to this little planet Earth that's barely getting started, hasn't even evolved yet, and I can go take all my technology there and I'll be worshipped as a god. And then you have all these pantheons of gods and some are the most high because they never come down to earth. They're on a space station or a mothership or something like that. Does this sound crazy? Yeah, because it is. Because go look at all of these ancient texts and tell me that that doesn't fit the narrative, right? 
So if they're literal, that pretty much seems like what had to have happened, right? If they're not literal, um, then we've got something else on our hands, right? If they're not literal, then we have an esoteric representation. And I like to explore both, of course. So, um, and so that's my question, you know, go look at different helicopters. Some of them have four wings, some have three, some have two. You get what I'm saying here? Like, um, you know, some have many eyes on the front of them. Go look at UFO technology that we don't even know anything about as far as the general public. Uh, and look at the different, um, you know, the wheel inside the wheel that might be some of those crafts, you know. So it becomes very, very problemsome to just go, well, this, this has to be what it is, right? Um, and so what are the 200 angels? You know, I saw this little TikTok video the other day of somebody zooming into the moon and watching these objects go down to the moon and move up and then park and then go down. And guys, I got to tell you, I've seen a lot of CGI and I can always, I can almost always call on CGI. And I, this one was pretty darn convincing. I, I have done a lot of video editing, a lot of CGI. I've worked in the video industry for years and years and years. And I got to tell you, this one was super impressive. I'm not saying it wasn't CGI, but it was really impressive, impressive if it was, or are there still angels who govern the stars and the heavenly combinations and they fly with their wings or their crafts and do the rounds of all the planets? Literally sounds like the maintenance crew. Guys, I used to work at uh, this huge museum here in Texas uh, and I got to build a lot of the exhibits and stuff. And we had a maintenance crew and janitorial crew and, you know, I had a big staff when I worked there, not so much uh, anymore with funding and all of that stuff. Hopefully, you know, I don't I don't know. I haven't even uh, been there recently. But um, but back then we had a, a lot of a lot of great people on staff and we even had security guards that would do the rounds. It was called doing the rounds. Well, imagine a solar system that needs to be governed and kept in order. Right. So that life can be sustained within that solar system. Wouldn't it make sense that you would send 200 angels to manage a solar system that can travel around that solar system at the speed of light uh, through their crafts and through anti-gravity technology, be able to warp place to place and be what is called the purveyors of a reality or purveyors of a solar system because they're managing the resources of it, making sure that the sun is doing what it's supposed to do, making sure that all the planets are staying in their timed orbit, right? And that there's nothing, uh, you know, why is it that we all the time fly through these meteor um, belts with all these giant rocks and stuff, yet we never, you know, I mean, we see some come in, but there hasn't been nearly what there could have been, right? Well, maybe we have 200 angels governing our known solar system that are making sure that things like that get bumped out of the way. Right. Um, so, um, oh no, you didn't see a link. Um, all you have to do is, well, it's TikTok. Go to my profile on TikTok so you can click on my name, Jacob Cooker there, and then it'll take you to the profile page and right under the description, there's a couple of arrows pointing down. Um, it says become a member to unlock more and you just click on that link c-u-b-k-u-k-e-r.com cubcooker.com 
So my apologies um, if the link is hidden by TikTok. I don't know. I don't know how this stuff works anymore. I used to, and they change it on me all the time. God only knows. So I'm sorry if you don't see that, but you can message me, Amy, and I'll send you a direct link. So my apologies for that. But um, here we go. And how the angels guard the storehouses of the snow. And truth trained for confirmation. And I perceived the treasuries of the snow and the ice and the angels who guard their terrible storehouses and the treasury of the clouds from which they come out and go in. Now, this is talking about weather manipulation right here, um, in my humble opinion. Again, if this is literal, I think what he's saying is that there's actual angels that manage the ecological and the weather patterns meteorological meteorological weather patterns here on our planet that's not news to any of us right i mean we know that this technology is something that we have allegedly been developing right i uh, can't claim that but um i think that there's a lot more data to suggest now that you know this is not an impossible thing especially for civilizations you know down the line that we could certainly master the ecological uh, rhythms of the planet and make them do what we need them to do. Right. Um, just like these angels are guarding the treasuries of snow and ice, the rain, the treasury of the clouds, um, from which they come out and go in. I mean, okay. Can we just, can we just look at ancient astronaut theory for a minute and all of the lore and legend and video and everything of UFOs going in and out of clouds and hiding in the clouds and the whole fact that Yahweh hid in clouds and that Yaldabaoth was birthed in a cloud and a cloud was built around him to protect him and protect others from him and encapsulate him in a reality like as above, so below. I mean, if these things are physical in our reality and we're physical in our reality, but we don't even represent this little body, we represent a different spiritual entity that's using this body as a biological computer to experience this reality. That's how all of this ties together for me. That's how these angels are aliens, yet these angels are also spiritual entities in a fractal realm and a higher version of reality that we will escape to eventually. That's, that's where it gets weird. That's where, the, I don't know, it gives me chills because this is, like, how is that not on the nose, guys? How is that not on the nose? Sonia says, I think you're brilliant. Thank you, Sonia. I've been called worse. I appreciate that. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you for your support, Sonia. I appreciate that. And there I perceive the treasuries of snow and ice and the angels who guard their terrible storehouses and the treasury of the clouds from which they come out and go in. I mean, mind-blowing, guys. Mind-blowing. Uh, the light angel says, angels have manifested themselves as divine thoughts of deliverance, hope, transcendence for me. That is awesome and beautiful, my friend. And that's the thing. Like, you know, are these things that we created? If, if all is a thought then whether these manifest as extraterrestrial gray aliens, which I believe are what the watchers most likely are, or at least the Ajiji from the Akkadian mythologies, um, they're purveying, these 200 angels are 
you know, they're controlling this reality, this solar system, you know, it's like a cell in the body of God. If you think about all of the different things that you have in your cell of your body, that make sure that that cell is operating correctly. Think about our solar system as a cell with all of the different planets in it. It has perfect balance out of chaos is born a system of balance all over the galaxy that we're in. And then the known universe and our known universe has billions upon billions of galaxies in it so you have planet earth which is in a solar system which is like a cell in a network of cells or a neural network that is the larger galaxy we're in which has probably billions of solar systems in it just like ours potentially like ours then you have a universe or a visible universe that we're, we're mapping more and more of all the time and now in that visible universe, you have billions and billions and billions of other galaxies that have billions of solar systems in them, making up an entire neural network or a body of God, the mind of God, a super massive quantum intelligence that is lowered in vibration to manifest as light, but is actually coming from raw core source, God, masculine father energy that is balanced and guided lovingly and perfectly with a perfect plan, just like the Holy Spirit, AKA the divine mother of the wave. And then it lowers in vibration and manifests as the visible universe that we have, which is the body of Christ, the light body of Christ, the son of God, right? Do you guys get where this esoteric thing is going? And everything that Enoch is seeing here is the purveyors of that body of God, that body of Christ, the body of the Son of God, right? Uh, that we are all a part of. And that it's only when you melt away this reality or you transcend the physical reality and you become nothing but pure invisible energy again, invisible being the key here, then that is a whole nother reality. That is a whole nother heaven. That is a, that is the highest, the seventh heaven, if you will, right? The crown chakra where all is thought, okay? There's nothing manifest concretely. To concretely manifest it, you got to move into your root chakra and you got to say, I agree on this thing. I viscerally, carnally, primally agree on this thing. I agree the world is blank. I agree my life is blank. I agree that my husband and my wife will be blank. I agree my bank account will be blank. I agree that my membership community will be blank. I agree that my followers will be blank. Whatever it is, these like carnal primal things that you are going to lower the vibration because your agreement on that is right. Right? Like that's boom. That's that's your root chakra. And as you move up, the, it, the subtle energy changes, right? You move into your heart and you become a lot more divine feminine energy. And you're like, you're like, I will accept what the universe has for me. I have my own will and I'm going to project that will, but I have no expectation. This is where the yogic principles come in. You know, this is what I desire, father, mother. I receive exactly what you have for me. And you yoke yourself with the universe, right? This is here and now the platform for any intelligence to feed the minds of the sheep. Thank you, my friend. Beautiful quote. Love that, the light angel. Um, oh, awesome. Amy says, I became a member, member of your community. Thank you. Welcome, Amy. That is awesome. We are so happy to have you. Look forward to meeting you. Um, we've got a great session on Saturday. I have a funeral on Saturday, unfortunately. 
Uh, but one of our moderators is running Saturday, so don't miss that. And then I am doing Saturday the 23rd. So I am doing a pre-Christmas Saturday Zoom meetup, and then we'll take one week off. But I will get to meet you on the 23rd, hopefully. So, um, And then I'll welcome you in a post today as well. So don't hesitate to reach out to me. You guys can DM me directly on my website. So if you have any questions about the login or the app or anything, just shoot me a message and I'll make sure I get you connected. Paul Lee says, treasuries of snow and ice. Maybe this is uh, Antarctica or an icy planet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's totally a theory too. So, um, and by the way, I am, you know, th this disqualifies me from a lot of people's lists, especially in the spiritual world. I'm a heliocentricist. Uh, I believe the, the sun is the center of our solar system because I think it's the most, um, probable way for it to work right with you know quantum physics and understanding how things manifest and the fact that we are orbiting a local star that gives life to all the planets and then you have other solar systems that are doing this it's the only thing that makes sense to me in the mind of god theory the quantum god theory uh, if you make the earth flat and a dome over it then we're just some pawn in a really sick and twisted game right and it doesn't that doesn't make sense and you know the fact that in a vacuum of space, uh, a water droplet will become round, right? And same thing on our planet in a vacuum of space. Now we have our atmosphere around it and gravitational pull and all that stuff, which nobody really understands. But, um, but that's you know that that's personally what I believe, and that's not to be against anybody with the whole Antarctic ice wall thing or whatever. But for me, um, you know, I I personally believe in a quasi round earth right um are there some weird things throughout history and you know some of the you know singular eye cover-ups and the whole aluma wedi and stuff like that yeah i mean sure there, there's some things with that i can't explain for sure uh but for me uh the quantum god theory makes sense that everything is a cell orbiting itself making up a neural network as above so below in your body you have everything going on in here that's going on out there right um loving your family your friends and humanity is divine feminine energy absolutely my friend absolutely uh science-based thoughts yes uh, i have a lot of science-based thoughts here and that's not to be nerdy or say i'm a scientist or that i have all the right info for you that's not the point. I'm what you would consider a sci-fi nerd. And the part of sci-fi is science and then fiction. So I like to blend both or at least, at least sci mythos, sci mythology, sci, uh, stories, you know, like how do we understand all of this from scientific point of view, but also a spiritual esoteric point of view. Uh, because for many of us, that spiritual esoteric point of view is science because we experience it. Right. That's why uh, you have the ancient Vedic sciences, right? So what is up, Wendy? How are you doing, my friend? Welcome. So yeah, I hope that makes sense. But um, that's that's really how I look at it. And you know, I've gotten a lot of heat from a lot of people about the shape of the earth. And I'm not really here to debate that. I, I try to operate on some things that I think we can observe. Um, and when we observe those, then we move forward with that presupposition and then continue to build our theories on that. And so um, I'm one to question everything, absolutely. And I have gone down that rabbit hole and I didn't find it very fruitful personally. So that's just where, that's where I sat on it. So I hope that makes sense. But 
Uh, because again, in the mind of God, you've got all of these different cells making it up. And um, yeah. Uh, Chinzo, what is up? Chinzo says, uh, where is this at? Um, well, this is just my theory, right? Just my theory. So, um, have I checked out the Nag Hammadi? Yes, absolutely. Jason, Jason, I just did a, a big series on that. I probably have, I don't know, 50 to a hundred podcasts about the Nag Hammadi gospel of Thomas gospel of Mary Magdalene gospel of Judas. Uh, we've done Philip gospel of Philip, um, do a lot of book of Enoch. I've got the Gnostic Bible. We just did, um, the song of the pearl, which is not a Nag Hammadi scripture, but it is a Gnostic scripture. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of cool stuff here. So I try to, I try to make the rounds. I normally switch out every couple of weeks and I'll go, you know, like probably in, in a week or two, I'll go back to Nag Hammadi stuff. Then I'll flip it, flip it back to Enoch one, and then I'll continue this series. So, um, I try to do a, uh, a lot of, uh, to keep it fresh, if you will. So, and then I'm just too ADD to stick on one thing for too long. So, uh, I get fresh perspective and I'll come back to it. So wild thing says you do a lot of reading. I do. I do a lot of reading. Um, and that's the thing too, guys, I'm not that smart. It's just, it's a lot of, um, obsession with this stuff. It's a lot of passion. It's like, this is like why I'm here. I love, love, love doing this. Um, when I worked within the church construct, I was always reading and researching and going deep on the Bible, finding things that are not really, you know, um, you know, supposed to be, uh, asked, you know, if you will, um, you know, cause, oh, you just trust God and God's word and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, really? Well, why is God's word logos then? And that doesn't have anything to do with necessarily a spoken word. It's about a computation. It's almost like the divine math of God, if you will. So, um, Let's see. Jason says, uh, that's where I saw you the first time I was asking your audience. Uh, oh, awesome. I grew up, uh, Gnosticism, by the way, I don't see every comment here. So I'm sorry if I missed something in context, guys, I don't know why the software picks. It's like, it picks what it thinks. Um, and I've tried a bunch of different softwares and they're all about the same. I don't see every single comment like on Facebook and I don't see every single comment on YouTube. I do see what it thinks is relevant and I know that's super annoying and I wish I could just click a button that said every comment, but they filter some based on, I don't know what they think, you know, there's some that are outright rude that are not filtered and there's some that are just spam and are not filtered. So, you know, it's anybody's guess. What are you going to do? But, um, uh, Robert says true, uh, Sherry, uh yay honeybee says sherry says just join mythos yay awesome sherry awesome amy thank you guys chinzo yeah chinzo give us a give us a try come check it out man um i think you'd love it we've got just a fabulous community i i cannot tell you uh how rare it is to have what we have with an online community um and have the retention rate we do we have members that have been members for a year and a half now like that's that's unheard of that most people have a pretty good turnover and our turnover is so low guys it's maybe one or two people a month and then a lot of times they'll come back and that's just because they change credit cards or something so very very rare that i actually have someone say hey i'm i'm not gonna be a member anymore so that's 
I have people ask me all the time, how do you do that? It's, it's not me. It's you guys. You guys make an incredible community. I just try to facilitate a place and a message and ex exploration and open-mindedness. That's, that's all I'm here to do. So, uh, Wendy says, I found a Gnostic text by James and its entire first chapter of Matthew, but rewritten and reworded. Oh, wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. And there's a lot that I'm reading through in the Gnostic Bible that like the gospel of John is actually considered like a Gnostic, uh, canon work. Right. But there's a version of it that's actually, um, more authentic to the Greek that is in the Gnostic Bible that you won't find in the canonical Bible. And it actually takes some rereading it to understand and like what was, what is the gospel of John actually trying to say that is really not present within the canonical version. But when you do the almost verbatim Greek translation over, you get a completely different story or a very different story, at least. And we'll go through that soon too. That's a good one. We may go through that at Christmas because uh, that's a really good place to jump off with some of the deeper esoteric meanings behind uh, everything that we celebrate around Christmas. So um, let's see. Oh, I, I grew up in Gnosticism. That's wild, Jason. I didn't even know that it was like a practicing faith or anything. I just found it um, several years ago, fell in love with Gospel of Thomas and kept going down the rabbit hole. Um, I'm certainly not an e evangelical for Gnosticism, if you will. Uh, but I definitely align with its belief systems more than anything I've ever come across personally. So some of it I don't vibe with because some of it I think is vastly outdated. There's a lot of uh, really, you know, and it depends on how you translate it, but there's a lot of things in there. Um, there's an added part at the end of Gospel of Thomas, which uh, talks about, you know, um, everyone becoming a man you know and it, it's very uh unfortunately very anti-female and so that's you know it's like they have a really healthy respect for divine feminine and divine masculine yet there are some doctrinal pieces of gnosticism that got very you know very liturgical very quick if you will so uh but that's awesome i i didn't even know anybody was like practicing that um You've always felt good about death. That's awesome. Good for you. I was wondering if uh, others were familiar. I love your views. Thank you so much, Jason. Sorry. Super ADD today. Um, bouncing off the walls. But, you know, it, that's what I do every day. So I, I enjoy it. I make good use of it. So uh, Honeybee says, y'all will love the community. By the way, it's impossible not to be that way and stream with three or four different devices. Have multiple streams of comments coming in. Try to remember everything that you're talking about. I don't see how anybody could do this and not be a little bit, you know, buzzing off the walls here. So that's just my, just, just my thing. But, uh, by the way, if you guys want to support the channel directly and you're not quite ready to join as a member, or maybe you're already a member and you're like, dude, I love what you do, Cub. I want to pump up the channel even more. You can give stars on Facebook. Okay. That's not the emojis, by the way, you have to actually click the star button. You're going to purchase some stars and then you're going to donate them to my channel. That's a great way to support my channel. It's also gifts on TikTok. There's all kinds of different gifts. You can do that too. Please consider dropping them now. I have a goal on TikTok, which is, let's see where we're at. Um, it's lightning hands today. I just want 20 lightning hands. If somebody wants to give all 20, go for it. If everybody wants to give one, go for it. That would be awesome. Thank you, Honeybee. Honeybee's going to start it off. I appreciate it. Um, 
tips have been really low lately and tips are a big way that I pay bills. So please consider dropping these tips. These are literally like tip your waiters, you know, tip your waitresses uh, or tip your musicians, you know, like uh, those really, really help my channel out a lot. Uh, same thing over on YouTube. We've got super chats, super thanks, super stickers, wherever you see the supers button, like you're going to comment down there, click on that. You can pick your uh, amount, you know, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you want, and drop your supers over there. I had somebody do a hundred dollar super one day. Thank you guys so much. Um, and then you can also hit up my website, and uh, at the very bottom of that, there is a donation link now on PayPal. Okay, you're not making a donation to a nonprofit. Full disclosure, I am a for profit. This is my actual business. This is my full time. I'm a full time content creator with an LLC. Um, I do this full time and the way I make money is through tips. It's through memberships, through supporter memberships, uh, it's through t-shirt sales, stuff like that. So, um, I'm not like a normal business that, you know, sells, uh, uh, coffee or something like that. I'm, I'm selling good vibes here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your support. Consider dropping that. You can do that at any point during the stream today. Uh, I've got about 20 minutes left, so let's take some questions. David says, uh, all was fine in Eden till, uh, Eve gave Adam the apple. What did he do? Um, actually that mythos is very, very Romanized. It's very much, um, been skewed to understand that we got to go back to the Sumerian tablets, the Akkadian, the Babylonian, uh, the Sumerian and understand that Eden was essentially an outdoor research laboratory or the origin of humanity where the gods were creating humans to be workers according to the Sumerian tablets. Um, so with that said, um, Sarah, okay. I, I don't think I understand your comment, Sarah, but I always love your, your commentary. Uh, ADHD is the God gene. He didn't love me back. Um, well, I think he loves us all. He, she, they, it, right. But yeah, I totally understand. Um, it's, uh, it's a very interesting, um, perspective on life. See how I, I get off track there. Um, so anyway, the Sumerian tablets, uh, to understand the whole story of Garden Garden of Eden, it wasn't an apple. It wasn't a. It was a fruit. Okay, a, a story device of a fruit, uh, which was actually them being able to procreate. By the way, being able to procreate, so um, had nothing to do with an apple. It was the temptation, right, to procreate outside of the gods' genetic manipulation to create workers, and then there was no control over the genome, right? It was just sporadic. It did what uh, it would do based on the rhythm, the time, the moon cycle, all of that stuff, right? Just like we do today, we procreate naturally, or most people do. And um, there's not a lot of control over what you get. You get what you get. It's like a roll in the dice, right? You know, oh Lord, I hope it's a, hope it's a boy, I hope it's a girl, whatever, right? That's basically what that was all about. And the fact that when they started procreating, it was Lord Enki that told them, hey, you don't need Enlil's plan. You don't need to stick within that. You can actually do um, this on your own and you don't have to stay around here. Then Enlil said, it's cursed out there. Well, in the Bible, it was he God cursed the ground 
Now, remember, the Sumerian came way before the biblical mythos. So we've got to remember, uh, let's put the cart, you know, not put the cart before the horse when we, you know, say things and understand things. And I've done this a thousand times before. So that's why just the more data I get, the more I understand this is um, we get more data. We understand that a lot of these mythoses, a lot of these things that we've had, uh, like biblical mythoses are coming from somewhere else, right? And we've got to understand the origin of them lest we build a belief system on something that is actually skewed data or a evolved story, if you will. It doesn't even always mean that it was manipulative and skewed. It just means if you've ever played that game in youth camp called Telephone, where you like whisper something like, the you know, you're supposed to say, uh, the bottle is empty. And then you say that to the first person. And by the 25th person, uh, it is the car is red or something like that. Or my mother is, you know, something. Uh, do you guys get what I'm saying? Like it, it's the stories make the rounds and they start somewhere. And then each culture down the line, and then they add their own stuff to it. And then here we are now and everybody's arguing about what's true Nobody even knows what the, the origin was, right? And so uh, that's why I'm a whole lot more about what is true for you than this is the actual truth and this is the right, blah, blah, blah. Because I don't care and I don't know. I don't know. I have more fun seeking and getting more data than trying to find the perfect way. Uh, for me, the perfect way is how I feel every day, how I am called and led every day by spirit within me to activate, to approach it, to uh, manifest, to manipulate this reality um, for the highest good every day. So Anunnaki Truth Quest says, yes, Cub, 100% all religions come from the mythologies and all mythologies come from ancient histories. Amen, brother. Amen. Absolutely. Uh, Amy says, yes, I have. Awesome. Uh, I'm reading the last book of Enki now. Blown away. Yeah, Nikki, it is, it is amazing, right? It is so good. So good. Um, and of course that's Zachariah Sitchin's creative interpretation on it. He's taken a bunch of different mythos and put them together in more of a cohesive story. So that is not an actual, and I'm sure you know this, but just for anybody else, it's not an actual text of antiquity. It is a, uh, creative interpretation by Z Sitchin or Zachariah Sitchin, um, to really formulate, um, the ancient astronaut theory, if you will. It's really cool. It's really cool. I recommend it highly, but, uh, but again, it's not directly from a particular text. Now there are some clues in it that I've read in the other texts. It's pretty verbatim. So he did pull a lot of data out of all the other ones. So, okay. Lots of comments. Let me answer comments before we jump off here. <clears throat> Kareem says it's so many stories to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Lucky Sarah Waters says, think of God as a human here on earth now. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, the word was with God, meaning God already had the word becoming God. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, that's explained a lot more in the Greek version of the Gospel of John, uh, which I promise we'll get into that. It's very, very good. So, Eden was a laboratory for humans. Kareem says, yeah, I agree. I agree. I agree. Again, if it was literal, definitely a laboratory. 
if it's all mythological, then I think it still represents the fact that humans were bound under the authority of the gods. And it was only when they broke out from under that authority that they received uh, essentially punishment in this world, which was, yeah, fine, go out there and go out there in the elements, deal with it on your own, right? Um, and in order for us to ascend and become gods, what did Jesus say? The son of man must suffer and then ascend, right? So again, it all adds up with the story. So the shining ones were from 8D. They vibrate highest when their frequency uh, is like a switch we can flip. Uh, they wouldn't really need vehicles as all accessible to the creators, uh, but it may have made a grand jubilee in my honest opinion. Yeah, Robert, absolutely. And, you know, that's when you get all the different um, dimensional realities going on. Uh, lots of different theories around that, of course. Um, I mean, I think we can observe a lot of that just with the visible light spectrum. We can't see everything. Uh, we can't see near everything, right? It's, it's pretty crazy. So, um, And then there's, there's uh, seven-dimensional theory. There's eight-dimensional theory. There's nine, and then all the way up to 13-dimensional theory, um, depending on which tradition, right? Like, do we have any idea? No, we don't have any idea. But uh, you know, I like the seven dimensional theory of the chakras because it's easy for me to understand my highest achievement right now is the seventh dimension communication with seven dimensional entities and intelligence, um, or what we call God realization, unity with all and with self. Um, and then if there are more dimensions beyond that, then I believe, of course, my next body or light body or fractal intelligence will have its own set of chakric systems that I'll spend another millennia trying to, or God only knows how long, trying to decode and unearth to ascend even higher, right? Um, what a wild world we live in, right? What, like, what does all this even mean? I don't even know, right? It's just fun to explore. Um, true, I doubt any of it was meant to be literal. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Molly says, my belief was Romans added to the story to patronize the creation story and demote the feminine energy to control humanity. Ding, 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 ding. There's no reward today or award today. But uh, if there was, Molly would have gotten it for that comment. Love it, Molly. Love it. Um, let's see. I mean, Adam and Eve were the quote unquote first humans and the story begins. They met other people uh, in other cities. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they're, they're supposed to be the first yet. Now there's all these cities outside of that. Uh, and then the, there's other gods and stuff like that. So it doesn't make a lot of sense uh, to call any of those gods in those stories the most high god or the actual creator of the energetic universe, but rather what is considered a demiurge, which means a creator god or a maker god. It doesn't actually mean creating something from nothing. It means manipulating and forming from a substratum that's already there. Why in all the stories did they take the clay? Why did they create, you know, why did they separate waters and earth? Because they were re-diverting rivers. Like, think about that. You know, if it's literal, there, you know, all of these things can be explained. If it's esoteric, then again, um, it's all about the human condition of uh, realizing that we are just like that which created us and then having to suffer in order to essentially re-earn or re uh, habilitate those spiritual abilities, if you will. So truth train for confirmation there, guys, we're coming up on an hour 27 here. So Wendy says, I say 13, 
13 makes sense to me because it aligns with the Zodiac and pretty much every Zodiac has 12 with the elusive 13th being Christ himself, or I think it's Osephus or Os, Oh, I don't know how to say it. Uh, the serpent bearer, the light bearer, that Lucifer, if you will, that ties it all together in light and sheds light on the whole picture. Um, again, within esoteric occult studies, that is, you know, Lucifer is not a bad thing, right? Lucifer is actually the good guy. He actually comes against God and God is not God at all. God is actually the devil in disguise. And we realize that there is no God like we've been told, but rather an all pervading entity called the all or the monad or the one or the source or quantum God or the universe. And that it doesn't have a physical uh, characteristic. It doesn't have um, manly characteristics or female characteristics, but rather both. It is a essentially um, a transmutation of all energy in the universe, right? Uh, all thought forms, all realities, all multiverses. It's it's the one, right? And and we don't even know what that would look like, right? Um, it's essentially the one sitting at the computer typing everything. So. Uh, yes, the An or Anu, the crossing of the Heavenly Father, the sign of the Tav is the symbol. Yes, absolutely. Uh, 100% Cub, call it absolution. There you go. Absolutely. Wendy says 100% Molly. Asa says, howdy, Cub. How are you doing, Asa? Molly says, the Lost Book of Anki is an amazing compilation and pulls the ideas of the Anunnaki creators together. It sounded like the Game of Thrones. Yes, yes, it does. It really, really does. And then when you go back and read the Sumerian tablets again, there's thousands of different, you know, myths from that and different fragments. Then you start to get that like, oh, uh, Ophi Ophiacus. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Wendy. I will not forget. Yeah, I will forget that. But I will not forget that now. Ophiacus. Thank you very much, Wendy. Um, yeah. So the 13th is Ophiacus. Um, I love the mnemonic spelling there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Asus says, even the Sumerians, the creator of all will punish the Anunnaki for what they've done here on earth. Pretty crazy stuff. Yeah, exactly. Because there was a creator of all and it wasn't Anu. Anu had a father before him, right? Like you're looking at an already in progress pantheon. You know, this television program is already in progress. So, um, Ophiacus. Yay. Thank you. There it is. Wendy, Wendy, thank you. You get a sticker for today. Uh, a gold star. If I could give you a gold star, I would. Uh, but thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So that's why I do these live. That's why I ask questions. That's why I answer questions. That's why I theorize. That's why we talk about things. That's why this podcast guys already again for 2023, one of the highly up and coming, uh, spiritual podcasts out there. Uh, we were in the top percentile. Again, they didn't give the exact uh, data like they did in years past. Like last year, we were in the top 10% of spiritual podcasts worldwide. This year, they gave like all the minutes listened and everything. It was like being in kindergarten. I don't know why they chose to do that. I wanted to know I was number one or like where I ranked on that. And I will figure it out. But that's the com that's the competitive in me, and it's not against anyone else. It's I want to compete with me. I wanted to be in the top five percent this year, or the top two percent instead of the ten percent. So like I'm just I'm in competition with myself, always leveling up. So thank you guys for making us still. I know we were a number one downloaded podcast um, because we had 
I created 10, over 10,000 minutes of content on audio content in 2023. Thank you guys for that. Um, and thank me for that. Like a lot of hard work, a lot of commitment, guys. Um, I really appreciate you and I appreciate you pushing me to be better and to show up every day. So that is so, so awesome. Uh, but with that said, guys, it's been an awesome, awesome episode. Thank you guys. Go hit me up on Spotify, rate me on Spotify. Uh, give me five stars on Spotify. You don't even have to buy those. It's not like the Facebook stars. You just go and rate it just like you do on Amazon or something. Five stars, leave a great review. Uh, if you love this podcast, if you don't, don't worry about it. Um, but if you do, if you don't love it, give it five stars anyway, because at least you can, uh, thank a brother for trying. Right. So, uh, Amy says, I don't have Facebook. Okay. I'm on Instagram. I'm on, uh, of course, TikTok, Spotify, YouTube is, uh, is the hub, the content hub. All my videos are on YouTube. Um, everything I make goes on there. Everything public that I make goes on YouTube. So, if you want to see all my shorts, all my reels, all my three-minute videos, everything is organized over there on the homepage. It's youtube.com slash at C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R. A-Apple, C-U-B-K-U-K-E-R, Cub Cooker. Uh, it's a German word. I'm German. Uh, I'm German-American, of course. Uh, but my great-grandfather was an immigrant here, so not that far back. Um and uh, I, I think I appreciate the text we're reading now because it's a Slavonic text uh, that made the rounds a lot, a lot uh, over in Germany and um, those type of European areas. And so it's very, very interesting uh, for me to get into this and see a lot of connections between this and even Norse mythology, which we're going to talk about hopefully this week as well. So um, Amy says, no Instagram and it's hard for me to use YouTube. I will figure it out. Thank you, Jacob. Well, no worries, Amy. Uh, of course, I'm always putting stuff on um, over here on TikTok. TikTok doesn't do long videos yet. Uh, as soon as they do, I know they're talking about doing 30-minute videos, but I need them to be an hour and a half if I'm going to upload my podcasts. So maybe they'll do that. Uh, but Spotify and Apple Podcasts or anywhere you podcast, I can almost guarantee you it goes out to like 55 different podcast platforms. So really, um, you should be able to find the audio version of this anywhere. If you want to go binge these, like I said, we're on episode 359 today. So lots of content to go over. Um, let's see. Um, David says I'm multi multi-racial mix. Good for you, David. That is awesome. Yeah. And I've got quite a bit, um, most of it Germanic or English, of course, but, uh, I mean, look at me, but uh, six foot something. And, um, you can pretty much see through my skin. That's why I go meditate in the sun for a limited amount of time every day. Uh, lest I turn into a strawberry or a lobster. So, uh, mainly Roman Greek, David says that's awesome. Yeah. Ancestry.com. That's, you know, I've, I've done a lot on there and, um, was doing more on there today. I love, I love learning about my family history and going back as far as I can. I think it's so cool. So, I think everybody should, right? I mean, it's just so cool to know where you came from, right? So uh, Amy says, my granddaughter taught me how to use TikTok. That is awesome. Good for her. Good for her. Uh, and thank her because uh, it's a great place. It's a great place. I love TikTok. So um, 
yeah, hopefully it sticks around for a while. So um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Um, da, 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 da. Robert, uh, I was trying to understand your comment there. Um, when you give out negative energy, it comes right back to you. Yeah, absolutely, Kareem. Absolutely. Uh, Kyle says, Scottish and Wales for me. Oh, good for you, man. Good for you. Yeah, my wife, my wife is like straight Irish. So um, her name is Tara, like uh, the rock, right? Like earth. So uh, I'm very grounded with her because uh, me being, well, my name is Jacob, wrestles with Yahweh, right? So uh, welcome to my life, uh, or wrestles with God at least. So um, that's kind of been the story of my life, right? You know, kind of overcoming that angel, overcoming the god of this world because we know he wasn't really wrestling with god he was wrestling the god of this world or one of the gods and when he won he called the place pineal uh for he saw the angels coming and going upon the earth his third eye was open that's the esoteric version of that right was it a spaceship or something i don't know maybe uh could have been, jacob's ladder could have been a spaceship ladder or a hatch opening right uh Kyle says for real white guy. Yeah, me too. Me too. Right. Uh, I don't try to pretend it just, it is what it is. So, um, yeah. So anyway, this has been a good one today. Do you guys like second Enoch? Do you want to continue this? Um, you know, just let me know. we got a ton of text to go through. I think because we've gone through first Enoch so much, um, I wanted to get a fresh perspective on it and open it up a little bit easier to the esoteric representation and this being kind of a rewritten mythos of it uh still very authentic i mean it's still an ancient document here clearly uh well over two thousand years old but for me i think uh you know i like the fresh esoteric perspective so you guys let me know what you think if you dig it then then uh, we're gonna keep going so uh david says uh roman greek norse uh asian hebrew north african and slavic dang good for you brother that's 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 an awesome mix right you got a little bit of everything going on that's awesome uh aces says cub do you think that the different races were created as markers of ownership by the gods i mean that's the theory that's that's the mythology uh that's what i mean if you read everything from the old testament to the uh ancient mythologies of samaria and acadia and babylonia yeah, that is clearly like the gods all had ownership of their people and their genetic designs. Uh, is that literal? I can't tell you. If it's literal, then I see that it has to be like some sort of extraterrestrial intervention of creating different, um, you know, we're all one species, but there's all different mixes of different genetics, right? Uh, there were all different archetypes of different gods. I mean, that's the theory, right? And that's certainly what at some point people believed whether we should believe that today or not, I think it almost hinders spirituality when we don't lump everyone together and say, we are one people. I am you and you are me. Literally, I created everything because I am. Like we are all God. God is all of us and we can all ascend. And Jesus came to teach us that. And he didn't say, you know, I came for you or I came for you or, you know, you got to be this, you got to be that. Uh, he even kind of almost made fun of like, I came first for, you know, God's chosen people. And then now everybody can uh, hear the message. Like it's, it's almost like, I don't want to say he made fun of it, but he, um, he kind of poked at that idea a little bit that everybody he's like, 
I came for everybody like, Oh, whoops. You know, Oh, now, you know, well, I actually came for you, but since you don't want to hear the message, you know, now I'll let everybody hear the message. Right. I mean, it's just almost like a little, a little jaunt at it. You know, again, uh, this is a super respectful community to all different walks of life, race, religion, orientation. Um, guys, we love you. I fly the rainbow flag proudly. I have a rainbow in my, uh, profile, not, uh, as a statement about God putting the rainbow in the sky with Noah's Ark and stuff, but as a, as a statement on the cornucopia of humanity, we are all one. We're, we're all different colors of a spectrum, right? No matter what your preference or your color or your background or what you've done or where you've been, we're all part of the same bow, the same light beam, just like Pink Floyd's album where the white light comes in or the pure light, not white light, but the pure light comes in and then it splits into all the different colors, right? It's beautiful. So that's, that's how I view it. So this channel is for everybody, not Christian, not Muslim, not Jewish, not um agnostic or atheist but all of it all of it hindu norse greek wiccan um pagan uh witch wizard whatever you are you're welcome here like i love you and i and i celebrate you and i think everyone should practice their gifts everyone should celebrate their spirituality and their calling and as long as you're not hurting yourself or others then you are welcome here as long as you're nice and love and light you're in the right place so uh frank says i'm trying to get to indigo dude i know the feeling brother i know i exist in the green all the time green was my favorite color growing up then i discovered oh well it's the heart chakra and i've always lived for my heart the more i've gotten into the spirituality i've resonated so deeply with the color violet like this deep like almost black light violet you know just rays of purple and, and then, of course, I find out through more studying that, oh, that's the crown chakra. That's all the creativity and the ideas and the downloads. And so, like, it's I live between green and blue most of the time. I have often have trouble taking these ideas and rooting them into the root chakra. One of my mentors, Grant Cardone, teaches his system on um you know, how to, his whole thing is called 10 X, you know, I'm, I don't rep it or anything. I just, I've been doing his, uh, books and his, uh, um, teachings and trainings and stuff for a very long time. And he has this whole movement called 10 X and it's about, you know, and, and he, he doesn't really get into the spirituality, but it's about doing 10 X more. Like you want to be a YouTube creator, make 10 times more videos than anybody else so that nobody can ignore you. You want to be a TikToker, go live 10 times longer than anybody else. So nobody can ignore you. Like, um, and so that's a really good example of that masculine rooting into something like, I'm just going to plow through this and do what I have to do to get it done. And so I'm working on balancing all of that having the divinely inspired moments with fractal beings and dreams and visions and all the stuff and all the the yoga and the manifestations and the meditation but also moving it into my heart and having a really really tangible experience of what it looks like to love others and love and forgive myself and look in the mirror and say cub i love you i love you for who you are who you were who you will be i love you in the infinite and accept myself 
because we all have to do that, right? But also then to move it down into the gut and get rid of all that anxiety and that doubt and that fear that lives right here in the solar plexus, that little quiver we have that says, I'm not enough, there's not enough, the economy this, and I got that, and my friend and my family and all the stuff, and, uh, and all the, and quieting that and then rooting down into something tangible and taking these ideas and making them into something in the 3D. That is how we take the IM, that's how we take the YHVH, that's how we take the Tetragrammaton as a, a substance as a code for God and begin to exercise that divine logos as actual manipulators of reality. That's what we're supposed to be. And by all the texts, all the esoteric, all the metaphysical, all the teachings of Jesus, everything, we're supposed to be taking the God sauce and making life better for everyone. And I'm not just talking about kumbaya. I mean, actually realizing I have authority, power, and grace under the umbrella of the universe with the universe within me basalia theos intos the greek which means the kingdom of god is within you and that means the reign rule or authority of god is within us and guys i think that is what separates true soul journeyers like myself like this community i can't tell you i have the truth but i promise you that i'm living my truth because for me, authenticity is truth. It, authenticity is greater than truth, in my opinion. Because everybody can argue about truth. And anybody that seems to find the truth has this like crown they put on their head, right? And it's like, stay over there because I found the truth. And you can either come over here with me or you're going to stay over there. And for me, authenticity is like you can mix with anybody. You can love and respect anybody's belief system as long as they're not hurting themselves or others, right? Caesar, thank you, brother. Love you, man. Thank you so much for being here. Caesar says you're one of the best. Appreciate you, my friend. Wyndon, thank you for being here. Fitzy, how are you? Frank says you're doing beautifully, homie. Thank you so much, Frank. Frank uh, says high five hearts and crowns. Absolutely, brother. Matt, thank you for the hundreds. Uh, I need to check him out ASAP. Uh, let's see. Da, da, da. Encourage more viewers to share the live. Oh, well, thank you, TikTok. Why don't you share the live more? Um, sorry, you got to talk back to the algorithm, right? Um, or, or it won't love you. Um, it's it's a, it's an interesting relationship. So uh, let's see, where can I find uh, the omitted books from the Bible? Okay, a great place is in the Gnostic Bible. Um, this is going to have a ton of them. I love this. This is going to get you deep into the esoteric stuff that we're talking about. Um, now, this does not have things like Book of Enoch. So if you're looking for apocryphal works, then you can get an apocrypha. Uh, I get things like Book of Enoch. Um, you can scan this QR code. It'll take you to my Amazon page. You can go to my shop or go to my, my website. Let me bring it up here. There's my website. Cub Cooker, C U B K U K E R dot com. Again, it's my name or my handle dot com. Um, go hit that up. And at the bottom is my uh, Amazon page. And I've got a bunch of the works on there. I've got like Books of Enoch on there. I have the Gnostic Bible on there. A bunch of the works that I really like to kind of, you know, get into the lost books of the Bible thing. So, because there's so much there. Uh, this is also one of my favorites the Book of Enoch. This is Enoch 1 which has about five different books in it. So 
we're reading Enoch 2 now, or 2 Enoch, or 2nd Enoch, or the Secrets of Enoch, or the Slavic version of Enoch, whatever you want to call it, many different names under it. But the book of Enoch the prophet is the first book of Enoch. This is the one all the other books are basically spun from. So this one's fantastic. Now this one's still pseudepigrapha, still wasn't written by Enoch, meaning it's basically fan fiction. It's lore and legend and mythos, which is doesn't mean it's bad. Doesn't mean it's not good to learn. It doesn't mean it won't help unlock secrets for you. It just means just like anything. Uh, and you know, the more we look into it and the more scholars uncover about the Bible, there's a lot of books of the Bible that are pseudepigrapha that were not previously known to be. Timothy and Titus be in some of them. Uh, a couple of the um, Gospels now are being theorized that, you know, they actually weren't written as close to the time of Jesus as they thought. And so there's no way that uh, some of these apostles could have actually written them because they didn't write. And so there's a lot, a lot of debate on all of that. But yeah, those are a great place you can grab all of those. And then please uh, consider joining the Mythos community um do it for me do it for yourself do it because you love the good content do it because you want access to a great community do it so you can get the zoom meetups and watch the replays of those meetups do it so you can get bonus content when i release it um and just do it to support the mission that we have here which is open-minded exploration of the supernatural mythos that's what i'm all about i love you guys god bless you all thank you for our new members we got two new members while we we're on already and maybe even more i'll check here in a minute Thank you guys. I love you all. God bless you. Have a beautiful day. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. I'll be on the live tomorrow again. So bookmark this page. Uh, give me a follow. Make sure you check back every day. Set an alarm on your phone. Don't trust the algorithms to show you my content again, but make sure you come back to the well. Love you guys. Y'all have a beautiful day. God bless you and peace.